Welcome back to the Buddy Ruski Show. This is episode three. I appreciate you guys listening today. I have my good friend Toriano Fredericks in the building, uh, the building being uh, my house, my newly renovated studio here. Toriano, thanks for being on the show. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm glad I caught you on a, on a day off. It's, it's pretty rare for you to not either be on the truck or prepping the truck for your next uh, day out. So I appreciate you making time for, uh, for us to, to chat. Yeah, no problem, man. It's, uh, it's nice to have a little day off. Um, we've been extremely busy, so uh, this is a nice break. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of being busy, you guys were, uh, I had the pleasure of joining you for your time in the pop-up space at American Tobacco in September. Uh, that, was, that was a lot of fun, you know, with Art of Cool and some of the other stuff happening. It seemed to be a nice opportunity for you guys to get in front of a lot of new folks in the American tobacco space and just in Durham in general. Uh, but I want to hit the rewind button and make go back a little bit. Uh, you haven't always been doing the, the food truck or I guess working in food. And uh, unlike my two guests before this are actually not from North Carolina, if I have my facts straight. So, uh, so where, where are you from and how did you end up here? Right. So um, I was born in the great Southern state of Connecticut. In a, in a small town called uh, New Canaan. And um, I was raised by my grandparents. And so my grandmother is from Andersonville, Georgia, and my grandfather is from Hillsboro. Okay. Um, so that, that's kind of my, my link to North Carolina. So like a couple summers um, did come down to Hillsboro. I, I don't remember all that much of it. I just remember, you know, like farm life type stuff, you know, like rows of collards and, and that type of thing. And so, yeah, I grew up in Connecticut and uh as you mentioned lacrosse that's that's how I end up playing lacrosse because you know what else is there it's to a do? way of life right <laughs> yeah. um yeah so um from there I went to uh United States Merchant Marine Academy um but when it get got that time to to go to college it was you know trying to figure out how how we're going to pay for it uh my grandfather worked for the post office and my grandmother cleaned houses so I knew that I wanted to go to college, but it was just kind of, you know, where was I going to go? You know, I was a, you know, okay lacrosse player, football. You know, I wasn't going D1, terrible 1AA or D3 at best. So I find out about Merch Marine Academy and I'm like, okay, well, this is a federal service academy, so it's paid for. And uh, I guess I'll go here. You know, and people always ask me, did you grow up loving boats or had no, I didn't even visit the campus before. Oh, wow. Before I went there, I was just like, well, this is going to be it. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, I go to the Merch Marine Academy. First, I went to Naval Academy Prep School for a year. Um, and that's just a, a place where they send you for a year if your grades are kind of suspect. And they just want to make sure, like, if you get through that program, then, then you're good to go. Um, that's where Naval Academy sends, you know, most of their athletes and, and things like that. And Merch Marine Academy sends about 12 people there. And so, you know, I was the one of them. And so did a year there. Uh, that was 1997. I graduated high school in 96, so old school. <laughs> I won't say how old I was in 1996. <laughs> right. So I go to Merch Marine Academy, and, and that's a four-year university. One year is your C year, and you go out to sea, and you do your C project. And so that was a really cool experience for me. Because, you say you didn't visit the campus. Had you been on a boat before going to this school? Uh, there was a lake in Connecticut called Lake Candlewood where 
water skiing. That was about it. Okay. <laughs> no, I'd never been out to sea or on a big boat. Uh, I think the furthest I'd be, actually been from Connecticut was probably North Carolina, um, like summers here and there. So, no, I, it was just kind of only option, really, you know. But at the end of the day, a good option. Like I said, so I uh, during my sea year, you know, you're, you you go out with your, like, you're, they call it your sea partner. And so it was at the time my best friend. And so we're, good, we're in all these different countries. We're in Italy, Spain, Egypt, kind of enjoying life a little bit and learning about going to sea. He's an engineer, and I was on the deck side. Um, so that was a really good experience. And then come back. I graduate 2002. I did an extra year there. It's called a setback. It's kind of a regular, not a regular thing, but it's a lot of people had to get that extra year in there. Yeah. Um, so I graduate 2002, and then I start going to sea. And um, I think in that time, it's just uh, like seeing the world again and, and eating in different places and uh, coming home and trying to try these different things out. I think kind of shaped me a lot and, and kind of seeing how different people live around the world. Yeah. What were your options coming out of the program? Did you know that you were going to go back out to sea or were there other things you were thinking about? Um, so you, you do have options. I mean, uh, you don't have to go to sea. So for instance, I, I went out to sea for a little bit on an oil tanker and then um, I came ashore and got a job as a dispatcher for Moran Tugs. They have a fleet of tugs up and down the the coast, east coast, east and west coast. But um, it was dispatching tugs in New York, and uh, that was actually that job was in my hometown, actually in New Canaan, Connecticut. And so did that, and then I worked with a company called OMI, and that was basically uh, doing operations for tankers. So I was in an office making sure that the ships um, had fuel, pilots, uh, crew changes, you know, that type of thing. So there, there are different options um, and different things that you could do. It kind of depends on kind of where you are in, in life. If 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 C is for you, it's 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 a different thing being away um, for long periods of time. And what so what's that rotation like when you're out to sea? Are you there for months at a time? Um, you know, is it just a couple of days? What's your what's your normal schedule like when you're making these trips? Right. It it depends on the type of ship that you're on. Uh, when when I was going deep sea, it was you know you're you're gone for four months and then you come home and you, if you're with a union you collect a union check and you could be home for two months three months um, and then you go get another ship. That is that's tough. I mean, doing it when I was younger that was fine because you know I didn't have a family and it was you know I go away come back and you know. A couple of years later, I was working on a dredge, and the rot- the rotation there was three weeks on, three weeks off. Um, so that's that's a little bit easier to deal with. It just kind of depends on on the ship and where you are. So you, how long were you in that position working on the oil tankers? Because I think when when we met, you were still doing doing those rotations, but were kind of moonlighting as a, a food blogger. Right. Uh, we. Did some work together with with Aaron over at Clarion Content, and and you had the um, I'm going to forget the name of the the blog now, but La Buena Vida. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, so when I met you, you were uh, a photographer, but then I, I found out about this 
uh, other life that you had out at sea. Um, and by this time, you had already started a family. And so um, to your point about um, how your priorities change, you know, as you get older and have a family, making that trip out to sea becomes a little more difficult. When did you when did you and, and Serena, your, your wife, when did when did you guys meet? All right, so wow, we gotta we gotta back that up a little bit. And uh, Serena and I met in 2010 at a party that I threw in Florida to celebrate the year anniversary of my divorce. <laughs> All right, right, right. It it was called my uh, my Independence Day, mm. and so it was my Independence Day party. My sister, who was living in Durham at the time, this is in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. That's where I was living. And so I told my sister, I said, hey, I'm, I'm throwing this party. Um, it's called my Independence Day. If you want to come down, we're going to a Jay-Z concert on Friday. We're going to get a, a limo on Saturday. What was, year was this? This was 2010. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what Jay-Z album would have been. Was Blueprint 3 out at that point? It was... Um, it was right around the time. It was. Uh, of, uh, it had a DOA. Too. Oh yeah. Whatever. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so whatever three, yeah. 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 I went. I went to that uh, tour as well here in Greensboro. Right. Yeah. And uh, Jeezy opened up. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I. I want to say maybe J Cole was here for his show in Greensboro because you know Cole was like that was right when he was coming up and right. he was on the um, A Star Is Born on that same album. So, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay, but back to the story. Your Independence Day here. Right. Throwing my Independence Day party and my sister comes down and uh, she's she well, she says, hey, you know, I'm going to come down. Can I bring my friend? I said, yeah. what was she doing in Durham? Uh, she was working for AICPA at the time. Um, so, yes. Yeah, and her and Serena worked at the same place at the time. And so it's like, yeah, you know, bring whoever. And she says she throws this little thing in there. It's like, yeah, um, you're not supposed, you're not to mess around with her, okay? She's my friend. I like her, <laughs> but she thinks you're cute. I was like, okay, well, you that's know, not fair. And, right? That was the, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, you know. So now I'm already feeling myself, you know, like she thinks I'm cute, and uh, I think Serena tells it differently. She said, I didn't, you know, really say that, but yeah, you did. <laughs> um, so yeah, she comes down, and and we basically, you know, we hit it off, and. Um, that was one weekend. I think the next weekend, it's like, hey, uh, do you want to come back down? You know, and then the weekend after that, I'm driving to North Carolina. And then it was like, then I, at this point, I am working three weeks on, three weeks off. So I'd go away, too. There was that period of three weeks where I'm down in Mobile, Alabama on a dredge. And so, um, yeah, it, it just started there as us floating back and forth until finally I was like, okay, I'm just going to put this house on the market for rent and um in florida yeah yeah so that's how i end up in north carolina at the time she was uh living in Cary, and so we were living out there together and then how do you both make your way to well, what makes you decide to come to durham i think just at at, at that point uh well we living together in, in Cary for a little while and then um we just started house hunting basically you know as as i i forget what point whether a proposal came first or um, where we were in our life cycle, but I know we, we start looking at a, looking for houses, and we're looking in Apex and Cary, Morrisville, different areas. At, at this point, too, I've, I'm already falling in love with Durham, you know. So I'm I'm kind of stuck on like I want to be near or um, in Durham, and and that was at that point, like I said, that I I met you. I, that had to be 2011, 2010. Mm -hmm. 
um, ballpark. And, and I know for me, um, you know, I was, I was seeking out creative people at that time too, because, um, I, I myself was being more creative, like you said, uh, photography. I mean, when I was younger, these aren't things that I was really into. These are things too, that started as I was going to see, I'd bring my camera with me and, um, take pictures and, and same thing started, I started writing. Writing was never something that I was into, but it became a way for me to explain the pictures that I was putting on, on my blog. And then it became a way for me to ex explain these experiences that I was having. And I realized it was like, oh, I'm writing a lot, you know? Um, and so that's where uh, I started uh, seeking out um, people like yourself. You were involved with cl uh, Clarion Content at the time. And, and just uh, that first time meeting, I, I think we, we were downtown somewhere and there was a bunch of other people that were contributing and just meeting all these other people, photographers and people that were doing things in Durham was nice. Yeah, it was the, uh, it's the, it was the spring, it was 2013, I believe. Uh, it was a runaway event at what was then Mercury Studio, but it's now the mothership. But I remember because it was the first time that I met you and it was the first time that I met Raj as well mm. and his art. For people that didn't have the opportunity to come to the pop-up space was was hanging on the wall in right. your space so it was kind of this fun mm -hmm. meetup where all these people that i you know ended up having uh relationships with uh, from then on uh all met in, yep. this, in this one spot and, and durham is is good for that too for those those types of community events where certain relationships pop mm -hmm. off and and you start to see the the fruits of that yeah that was my first time meeting raj too and, and again, that was years ago. And, and I've just kind of kept in touch through social media, really. For the most part, I bought one of his prints then, um, and, it's, and it's in our home. And, and so when it came time for this pop-up, we, we knew we wanted some local artists. And that relationship that was started years ago and just kind of, you know, we see each other around every few months, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, it's been love since then. And so been very cool yeah he's definitely somebody that i want to to have on the show as well so you're you're looking at houses in durham is your sister still here in durham or i guess at the time was she still right here? right yeah she was in she was uh living in durham at the time yep. okay did that play into your decision at all kind of having more family here in durham versus carrie i, I don't i mean everything kind of seems close yeah here anyway you know and my grandmother's in durham okay. as well so even if you're 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 kind of you're in Cary because my sister's actually in Morrisville now she's okay. moved from Durham to Morrisville or, or Cary one of the two but everything's kind of close I, I think it was just you know more of again wanting wanting Durham is my address you know like like I didn't want to be um outside that yeah it, it sounds weird but I, you know I just wanted to be uh, people want to claim Durham it's, right yeah you know I've been here my whole life so right. I understand the uh the itch to want to to be a part of the community here it's it's interesting to me that you even when you're out at sea you started getting into writing and photography uh, when I talked to Nick he had a similar backstory where he was mostly doing sports in high school. He mm -hmm. also played lacrosse, uh, but then got into music, and, and music really started to drive his creativity and the things that he was interested in, even when he was in Japan. And so it's funny to me when, and this is partly why I'm interested in, in talking to people about this, because you know we start to become defined by 
certain things. Mm. People see us. Uh, if you're a public-facing figure, or even if you're not, you become uh, identifiable as, oh, that's, um, you know, that's the person from the Boricua Soul food truck, or that's the guy from Runaway, or that's the guy from Roundhouse, uh, not realizing you have all these other parts of your personality that you're feeding every day. And, um, and so it's, it's cool to see people evolve over time to go from sports to arts or vice versa, or from sports to arts to food in your case. And, um, I'd love to to talk more about your background in in food and and what the uh, origin is or or why you decided that uh, the Boricua Soul food truck was the direction that you wanted to go. I know when we first met that, um, you know, it was becoming tiresome, I guess, to to make those trips out to sea as you're building a family. Um, You know, your son, Devin, I think was only a couple years old maybe uh yeah he, he was born in 2012 okay. so yeah when we when we first met uh we we didn't have Devin. yeah and then, yeah he came in the picture and yeah and yeah. so that you know that switches up things a little bit right um and so your priorities obviously changed um who who has a bigger background in food you or serena um i do yeah i mean okay. we both have a big background in eating it sure but <laughs> um no i i guess i do just because um I've, most of my would life would she say I, the same yeah okay. yeah she would because she 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 doesn't really like coming after me no no she 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 really doesn't um look at cooking the same way that okay. i do um and again i i haven't even looked at cooking the way i do my whole life you know i, I didn't grow up um you know, wanting, wanting to be a chef or, or having, um, this desire to cook even, you know, a lot of the stuff that I cook is inspired by my grandmother, um, in, in the foods that I ate as a child at, you know, at cookouts that my aunts made and everything. Um, I mean, food's a big part of any culture really. Um, but I feel like especially, um, in the African-American community in, in this country, food is a big driver for other things, for identity, for community. And and so even if you're not someone who would consider themselves a chef or mm-hmm. like when you grow up around it and, and it becomes a big part of your life, it's kind of hard to to not want to participate or to, to use that in your own life as you get older right. um, for those same reasons for community and and all that. Right. I, I think it's one of those things too, that, uh, as, as I got older, I, I appreciated more again. It, it's when I was younger, I wasn't, um, you know, sitting with my grandmother, like cooking or trying to, um, get her recipes or anything. It was actually when I was really younger, it was, it was more of, you know, you didn't like some of the, some of the stuff that she was cooking. It was just kind of like, eh, you know, you want some other stuff. Can we go to McDonald's? You know, yeah. I got your McDonald's right here. It's you know? blasphemous to right. say, yeah. Right. Oh, you're not going to eat your coffee? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and now it's this level of appreciation of, of those celebration foods. And, and again, some of these things, you know, that I guess have some level of shame to them, for, you know, because of their past, but you know, it's a part of our history. These are foods that have been passed down. I get that a lot too with people like, well, you're from Connecticut. What do you know about soul food? It's like, I, I know everything about it. This is, you know, my, my grandmother was 
one of um, 11 or 12 kids in Andersonville, Georgia, and they all came up in the 1950s from Georgia to the Northeast, and they brought all of that food with them, you know, and so this is, you know, food I grew up with yeah, in, in New Canaan, Connecticut, yeah. you know, it's what I've been eating my whole life. Yeah, and so as you're thinking about what's next, what is the turning point for you in in deciding I, I want to give up this life at sea mm-hmm. uh, to try and pursue something else. And, and were there other things that you were thinking about besides the the food truck or, or a life in kind of food service? Mm-hmm. I, I think initially, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, f- how I could use photography um, as a way out, how I could get out the game. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I started thinking if there were, if I could take pictures for, for food businesses and, and, um, and make videos and things like that. And so, um, part, part of what I was doing with my blog was, um, speaking with people in Durham or in the area that, that had food businesses and was making videos, you know, about what they're doing or writing about their story. And, uh, again, a lot of people, people always wonder what, what you're looking to get out of something like, I'd, I'd go to someone and say, Hey, can I make a video about you and, and write in the first question? So how much is this going to cost me? You know, and I was never looking for any money. You know, it was, it was content. It was inspiration. It was seeing, you know, what can I, what can I do with this? Yeah. Um, and a way I, to bore your, build your portfolio as right. well. And when you're thinking about the long term, uh, it's good to have work that you can point to to say, Hey, right. I can, I've done these 10 things. You know, let me, let me work on something for you. Right. And, and so from there, you know, I'm meeting these people and, and I, and I think I'm taking motivation from them, you know, as far as, um, um, seeing what they're doing in food. Um, some of these people didn't have any culinary experience previous, but they're able to take their passion and have a successful business. Um, and so, from there, Serena and I, I, I had thought in the past about a food truck. And so we start talking about, you know, maybe an option for us is, you know, starting a food truck, which she thought I was absolutely crazy. And was she still working out in, in Cary at this point? I don't think she was because at this point we have, we have Devin. So, so she was not, Yeah, no. I think she was, she was staying at home at the time. And so there was this conversation about, you know, food trucks and, Remember, we were on our way to the, to the, um, to the museum, um, to the zoo okay. out in Ash, Ashboro. Ashboro, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I'm kind of thinking in my head, you know, maybe we can do something with, you know, smoke, like some type of like, um, not, I don't know if it's the barbecue truck or, and she just looked at me like, so we can be like every other, not every other, but there's, there's. We want to compete with yeah. barbecue in North Carolina. Right. It's like, a saturated market yeah, for and, barbecue. Around. Right. And, and coming in, too, with no history, you know, like no foundation. Right. just And so and she said, well, you know, what about how we've been cooking at home? You know, we've been mixing this. Um, Serena's half Puerto Rican. And, and so we had been mixing this soul food and Puerto Rican cuisine at home um, since we had been together. And she said, you know. You know, what do you think about that? And I was like, yeah, there's there's not a Puerto Rican truck on the street. Um, okay. And so we started thinking about that. And then we went to a a dinner. There's a culinary historian called uh, Michael Twitty. 
And he did this dinner up at um, the plantation up here in Durham. Uh, uh, I should know, and I don't. Uh, it'll come back to me in a minute. But he, he did this dinner up there. And again, it was just the celebration of, of food that, you know, sometimes people are ashamed of, you know, and, and, and it was this conversation about celebration, celebration food and being proud of, you know, our heritage and, and this food. And so again, that, that seeing that and sitting in at that dinner as well was a, was a motivation for us. And that's kind of where the idea started. I'm not sure what year that would have been. And when you guys started the truck, you were still going out to sea. So there wasn't a clean break where you left that position and, and you guys started the truck. There was this transition period for you and, and, and for your family as you're trying to wean yourself off, I guess, of the, right. uh, of the life at sea into this, this new phase with the food truck. Right. That, so it was 2015. Um, our truck was finished, completed in the fall of 2015. And so... And you guys did a Kickstarter yeah, for that we, truck. Yeah, we did a Kickstarter um, to raise part of the money uh, for the build-out of the truck. Um, so I think we raised $20,000 uh, through our Kickstarter. Um, and so that that in itself was an experience. It's just nerve-wracking. Yeah. Um, so 2015, our truck is finished, and we start this, this process of, at this point, I'm going out to sea for four weeks at a time. So four weeks, I'm home. We operate, operate the truck on weekends and, you know, during the week. And then we shut the truck down when I go back out to sea. And at first, you know, it's it's difficult, but, you know, it's, it's we're just figuring, okay, this is how we we get started. We, we can test the waters. I still have my job. We're making money there. Um, and so it was it was a good probing ground for us. And then it starts to get to a point where, you're like, okay, is this, is this a high functioning hobby? You know, what are we doing here? Because now my off time we're working now we're working a little bit more. And so we're spending so much time, you know, I'm away and then I'm home and it's, it, that became difficult. Um, but then it's like, okay, am I going to quit my job? You know, that's my, my, my bread and butter and what what I've been doing, you know, for my whole career. Um, so it came to that point where we said, okay, we're going to do this or not. And, and if we're going to do it, it has to happen. We have to start in the spring because we don't want to start the truck in the winter and when things get slow. And so um, this last, last spring in April, we decided it was going to be like our D-Day. And I think that was one of the scariest things that I've done in my life. I mean, just because you talk about it, been talking so we knew a year ahead that this is what it what it was going to be or yeah about a year ahead that was going to be our date and uh it's one thing when you say it a year out you know and then you know but at, when you get to that last 30 days and you're like i i have to write a, a letter to my job you know saying i'm not coming back and that's going to be it there's no health insurance there's no more paycheck coming like this truck is it now and so um that that was difficult, but I I think knowing that we were doing it together and, and Serena having my back was highly important to that. And and you it's something you can't do if both people aren't fully on board with it because there's 
there's going to be this blame game and you know well you wanted to do this it's 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 got to be we wanted to do this you know and so having having that was made it possible definitely you know we're gonna take a quick break i do want to get a little bit more into the the life of the truck uh in the the year that you've been operating it full-time uh the pop-up and and talk a little bit about your uh rising star son uh drummer extraordinaire <laughs> and, and what mega deal he might be signing here in the next few years so we're going to take a quick break and we uh we'll be right back I'm back here with Toriano Fredericks of Boricua Soul Food Truck. If you haven't had uh, any of the fabulous empanadas, uh, well, really everything on the menu is fabulous, but my personal favorite, the mojo chicken empanadas, uh, you are really missing out on a special treat here in Durham. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that journey now that you guys have the truck making the transition into full-time uh, food connoisseurs, how has that transition uh, been for you going from part-time to full-time into this truck? When we left, uh, you talked about it, you know, the need for it to be a group effort, that there, there needed to be total buy-in from you and Serena on making this decision. Uh, so since jumping in headfirst uh, into the truck, uh, what have you guys seen uh, or experienced as the the fan base has grown and the business has grown. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, firstly, one of the, one of the adjustments of operating a full uh, a truck full time as opposed to part time is is physically. Mm -hmm. um, you know, before we were in this kind of you know we we do a big event on a Saturday and we had a you know the next day we used to call it uh, food truck hangover where we were just sore and, and felt like you know. We, we can't go on, you know, but we had a couple of days to, to recover. Um, <clears throat> when you start operating the truck full time, you have this, you know, con you know, this pounding on your body of, you know, walking around on the truck, uh, moving things around, working in an environment where it's extremely hot, you're dehydrated. But it, it was this period of your body acclimating to that where, you know, now we do certain events and, and we're physically, you know, it's still exhausting, but you know, a year ago, we couldn't imagine doing something like that and then turning around and operating the truck the next day, you know? So what, one of the adjustments was, you know, just physically getting, getting used to, um, carrying out these actions on a daily basis. Um, and then, um, are you guys out seven days a week? No, no, we're not, not out seven. I mean, I'd, I'd say if we look at the calendar, it's probably, um, anywhere most weeks, probably five, um, possibly six on some of them. Um, again, some of the, some of them being doubles, which, you know, again, a, a year ago, you know, we couldn't fathom the idea of, you know, flipping the truck around and, and going right, right back out and doing that multiple days. But I mean, you, you have to, to make money. Um, so th that's, that's one of the things. And, and, and we knew, we knew that if we could get the truck out and instead of doing this, um, the truck is there and then now it's not where you know we build this momentum for four weeks and then 
we, we have to tell people, well, you know, we're not going to be out for the next four weeks. It's, you know, it's disappointing on both ends. And, and we felt that if we ha- can get a year under our belt of really getting this product out on the street every day and, and building that gathering and, and just seeing where, where we could take that, you know. At Beats and Bars Festival, you guys were, you know, only a couple yards from the pop-up space. And I came by the truck and, and Serena had said that you guys were going to be in there. And I was really excited to hear that I was able to play some small part in spreading the word about that opportunity. And as I mentioned in, in the beginning, being able to work with you guys during that uh, stretch, was it was really cool to see inside the business mm-hmm. and being on the truck some and, and working inside the pop-up space and just seeing uh, over time you know, you, you get in there the first day and I mean, I guess for you guys, even day one, it was, you know, lines out the door. It was yeah. pretty packed. So you were already, you already had a fan base that was waiting for you to, to have this permanent space. And then over time, just like lunch after lunch, it was, uh, it was a marathon, you know, right. but, but that's, ultimately what you're working towards, right? Right. So now that you guys have done the truck for a little while, you've done this pop-up space, what is the next step? What are you guys looking forward to, you know, in in year two of doing this full-time? Yeah. I also want to just, um, before going to that, touch touch on kind of something that you were saying about um, the transition in that space. And you were able to see it from, you know, so you were, we opened on a Thursday. We had the, it was supposed to be a soft opening and we just got hammered and um and then One I of those good you, problems yeah i mean that that's what you want you you, you want to have people but there, there's also that middle ground of wanting people to have a good experience mm-hmm. and and so it becomes difficult when um you have people that are there you know for their lunch hour and they have a 45 minute wait um for their food you know the line out the door isn't quite the issue because I mean, th- that's a good issue because, you know, you, you're having people come through. It's it's on the on the back end when, you know, they have to wait that 45 minutes to get their food. Um, so I think you you started helping us out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Maybe. The day and after so, it's soft opening. And, and so you, you got to see the transition from that first day um, that you were there and where we were, uh, you know, three weeks later and how efficient we were operating and with larger numbers, you know, our, our last Friday, we served more people than we did on that first day. But, you know, with a 10 minute wait max, you know, during our, 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 um, rush. And so, I mean, just, just seeing that transition in three weeks is, is very cool. You know, I mean, we've, we've got to see a transition over the three years as well, but visually seeing how, how, you know, you're able to just change through through pain, really. Yeah. You know, like having a painful moment and saying how how can we make this better? You know, and you were a huge part of that, being because my legs weren't gonna my legs weren't gonna make it three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, for people who uh, again who didn't come by the pop up space, um, the way that it was set up for you guys because the space didn't have a full kitchen, right. you were still cooking on the truck. So people would order in the pop-up space. There was seating uh, where they could stay and eat their lunch or they could take it to go. Uh, but it was still 
prepared on the truck. So right. there was this back and forth between tickets uh, from the pop up space to the truck, and then the food back right. to the to the space. And that um, was the the fun part for me was being able to be the the legs in between and getting to f- face with people who you know were excited for you guys and and so and and to be fair, you've had help you know, prior to to the short stint that I had. Uh, Jason, who works on the truck with you now, uh, has been there how long? Oh God, he's uh, maybe yeah, six months or so. Okay, maybe maybe a little bit, but I think about six months. Okay, um, so it was you and Serena before that. Yeah, I mean, it was mostly Serena and I. We we've had um, we have Maria who helps us right. every now and then, and before we had Serena's cousin. Um, for, you know, from the start, it's been you know, whoever can help. My yeah. sister has helped on the truck, my brother-in-law, um, my, my nephews, you know, early on those first, that first year and, and first two years, it was, you know, Serena and I and whoever, whoever was available. And so that was another exhausting thing that, you know, Serena and I doing mostly everything and then, um, trying to get that help on the truck when we, when we can. During the pop-up, we had Jason, we had Maria working, um, but yeah, to, that that legwork to get those tickets back and forth were highly important because it, it. I mean, you know, it's a couple minutes before we're seeing seeing the ticket to even start the order. Right. Um, and again, the the most important thing for us is someone have not only having good food but having a good experience. You know, and anything over that that ten fifteen minute starts to, you know, people get a little. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, and their time is is limited too. You know, it's. Um, maybe a little different if somebody's going out to dinner, they've right. got their evening ahead of them. Time isn't maybe as, as much of the essence versus someone in a tight window on their lunch break during work hours. It's, yeah, it's, it's crunch time for them. So, yeah. um, and, and they're feeling that pressure. You're feeling that pressure a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and every, every, um, part of service in, in that situation is important. I'll tell you there we did get a couple like reviews that mentioned you specifically um that they appreciated you know your demeanor and how you helped and this this is about you man this isn't about, <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean it, it's i mean and, and again serena is is the face of of our business you know she's in the window and that's the the first thing that people you know see and, and that interaction is is really important it said something about the way the, the teamwork that you guys have to be able to balance those responsibilities. And there's a level of trust that you have to have. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly that's true for your your relationship in your marriage, but then also as you guys are business partners. And so there's a, that's a totally different dynamic uh, that you have to think through and, um, and, and build on. So yeah, it's, it's not, easy and it's probably not something a lot of people would want to you know to put on the table when they're thinking about doing business with their partner but you guys you like to joke and it's something again that i got to see firsthand you're very good about poking and and prodding each other but in in good fun and it seems to create a very healthy work environment not just for you guys but for for jason and maria and, and i got to appreciate that as well so now that you've done the truck, and we talked a little bit about this during the pop-up, are you guys considering permanent space? Is that something that you're really pushing for now, or is it more 
if it happens, it happens, but we're comfortable where we are with the with the truck as it stands. Right. We're somewhere in between. Yeah. Before before the pop up, it wasn't um really in our mind all that much. We figured, like I said, like we need at least a year of just like pounding the pavement, getting the food out there and meeting people. And we always just say one customer at a time, you know, like one happy person at a time, they tell somebody. Um, the pop-up kind of opened our eyes to the possibility. Um, and I know Serena being inside and not in a, in a truck, bending over a truck window kind of spoiled her a little bit because you know, <laughs> And now going into winter, she's got the, the cold air coming in. She's already, you know, bundling up. It, it's something that we are are looking at. And, you know, if the, the right situation comes up, you know, we have a couple possibilities out there and, you know, we're going to see what happens. Um, but we, we'd love to have the opportunity to have another way to, to get our food out there. Yeah, I remember Gabe and I at Runaway had similar conversations. We were doing pop-ups a lot. When I first started doing stuff like the um, farmer's market, food truck rodeos, and other partnerships, collaborations, and then we ended up doing a, a holiday pop-up in what is now Bull City Dental. That space was, was empty at the time, and the building owner, Aaron, let us use it for 12 or 13 days uh, just because it was a very public space, and it was going to sit empty over the holidays. He was like, you guys should um, you know, make good good use of it, and so... That was the the first iteration of that for us, and then the very next year in 2015, uh, we did another pop up as well in the parlor space. You know, they've since expanded right. yeah. and have that second section with all the chairs and everything. But you know, as you can imagine, when you're serving ice cream in the winter time, there's not as much of a right. uh, fervor for cold food, and so. So they allowed us to collaborate with them and Gabe ended up doing a t-shirt design for them uh, in exchange for us using that pop-up space as well. And so we'd done two pop-ups two years in a row for the holidays and had that same, you know, the, the light bulb went off for us as well. It's like, oh, well, okay. If, you know, people, if we're, we're able to get this much business in just a short window of time, granted it was the holidays, mm-hmm. but, you know, if we had a permanent space where people knew about us year round, what would it look like for for us and for the business going forward? And so having those opportunities, and, and that's, I think, what they're trying to do as well at the pop-up space with right. ATC is to be that bridge between, okay, I have a proof of concept. I have something that people want. Let me test it at that next level without committing too much and taking too much risk in signing on to a, a permanent space. Um, so that's, it sounds like that was successful enough for you guys that you're at least considering, you know, taking that next step. If you were to get a permanent space, what would you guys want to do with it as part of the food culture here and just sort of the Durham community? What would you want to offer besides obviously the fantastic food? Mm. Um, we've, we've always you know, wanted to have a space that um, creative people could come, you know, um, that somehow music is involved, somehow, somehow the visual artists in our city are involved, a place that people can come and, you know, gather, whether it's, you know, for, for meetings or um, whatever. We just want to be that place. And, 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 and our, and our truck kind of says that, you know, as well. 
Was there um, a place like that for you when you were younger? It was like the spot that you and all your friends always went to after school or you knew like, okay, I can't, can't find anybody. I don't know where everyone is. More than likely, they're probably hanging out at, at this spot. Like this is our, this is our base. I, I, like when I was in high school? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, it was a mobile gas station. Okay. So <laughs> it was more of, you know, that was before, um, you know, cell phones and, sure. and all that. So if you didn't know where anybody was, you just went to mobile and there was a payphone there, you know, so okay. and people hung out there. Yeah. That was small town Connecticut stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just want, want that community space again, where, you know, it's good music, good food, good drink. Um, you know, things that we can't necessarily do with the truck. Um, we have, um, collaborated in the past, um, where we, we, we did something with Dirty Bull. We had like an anniversary party and uh, we had um, Calvin Jones, a guitar player, singer come and play. And, um, and it was nice having that vibe, you know, having our food, handing our food to people and have, having them go inside and, uh, and listen to music and, and have a drink, you know. So it would be nice to have that atmosphere and, you know, and be able to have a, have a venue for people. Yeah. Do you guys think about your place in the broader food culture here? Because as Durham is expanding, there's new things every day. New buildings go up. There's new restaurants that go in them. Um, but there tend to be a lot of the same chefs and restaurant owners that are bringing a lot of these things online. And so when you're considering opening your own space, is there this desire to break the mold of you know what what restaurant ownership looks like mm -hmm. in durham yeah i i think i mean we we are in a in a sense with our truck as well because um there there are trucks with um some similar things but like our menu is different our our concept is different you know um you know for us we're, we're celebrating um the things that make Puerto Rican food and soul food. Um, it's native, native Americans and Taino Indians that were on the island of Puerto Rico. It's slaves on both the island and the U.S. and, and Europeans. Um, and so, again, it, it's taking those two things and mixing them. Uh, mac and cheese with Puerto Rican-style roasted pork. You know, um, empanadas with with different things inside them that normally wouldn't, you wouldn't find, you know? So, um, I think we're doing that a little bit already with, with the truck and, and also we're, we're outside, you know, that, that regular mold because we're, for us, we're just making it up as we go, to be honest with you. You know, we don't, we don't really have a playbook or, or something to reach back on in our history of restaurant ownership because right. it doesn't exist. You didn't for go us. to culinary school. Right. You, yeah. And, and that's that can be a positive and can be a negative. Um, and the positive is, I, I think, in in one sense, it doesn't mentally isolate us to to certain ideas because we don't know any better. The negative could be, you know, we don't know any better, sure. so we, we make some stumbles, but um, that we wouldn't make if we already knew. Um, but I think that's just part of the process as well, and um, you know, we look forward to the challenge. Yeah, something that I really appreciate about what what you guys do and i assume this is mostly on your end uh is the the instagram stories mm -hmm. you guys are really 
engaging with the full process, you know, showing, you know, you guys preparing the food, uh, going to the, you know, going shopping for the ingredients, going to the, um, the food truck hub that you guys keep everything at, mm-hmm. uh, even going, you mentioned going to the Rocky Mountain, uh, Rocky Mountain Mills right. brewing, uh, grand opening. Mm-hmm. And so you get to see the, the full, it's not just the shiny objects that everyone gets to see. They're, they're right. really seeing the grit and grind that leads up to the finished product. And there's a certain authenticity there that people in Durham appreciate. And even folks coming in from out of town, I think, w- would appreciate about what you guys offer. Um, the last thing I want to, to chat with you about is is your your son Devin. He uh, does he have his own Instagram? Yeah, it's uh, little L I L Bull Beats. I did know that. Yeah, yeah. So there's to me, there's no way that people haven't seen him perform somewhere in Durham at this point. Uh, but Devin is aspiring musician, is a fantastic drummer. Does he play any other instruments? No, just the drums. Okay, just the drums. And sings. Okay. Badly. I haven't actually heard him sing yet. No, it's it's just sounds and noises. Uh, well, you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> um Where where does he get his, his musical chops from? Um so Serena and I, we I mean we we have a very broad um you know, love of music. From hip hop to Metallica. So I mean, we we listen to everything. And so he's um, from the jump has has heard all types of music his requirement for being a part of our family was you know like <laughs> it's this isn't barney you know you're gonna listen to what we listen to and so i i think that you know is is the basis of it and then um i've always wanted to play the drums and i had friends who had drum sets and so i'd play them and i can keep a beat that's about it um so I knew when we had Devin, there was going to be a drum set involved, and I just hoped that he he liked it. You could live vicariously through him, right? Right, exactly. And so we got the we got him a Mickey Mouse drum set. I think when he was one, and he just you know beat on it, tore it up, and then um, my sister was getting rid of um, my nephew's drum set, and so um, we got that from her. And he's just it. It was a lot of actually you know just playing in front of him and showing him YouTube videos. We'd be in a car and show him YouTube videos of a drummer just playing instructional and he liked watching it and it was better than, you know, listening to whatever else. And from there it just he's it became him actually playing a beat and then him playing to a song and so he could listen to a song and he can pick the beat and he knows the parts. How old is he now? He's six. Six years old. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. I, I played violin when I was in elementary school, and and that was something that was always easier for me was just hearing it. I, I wasn't a particularly good sheet music reader, but if you played something for me, it it clicked. And it, I think at that age, that's really where because kids are so curious, they're they're absorbing everything. Right. And for him to be able to just and that's part of the the power I think of of YouTube, even though there are tons of negatives, um, is, is being able to just like go online and, and find, 
you know, 50 video instructional videos of, of drummers and just say, Hey, like, you think you can do this? Right. And, um, and now he's a rising star in the right. Durham community. You know, Dur- uh, I saw him recently on the, was it the Durham NC discover Durham Instagram yeah. and his, he dressed him up as animal. Yeah. <laughs> in the, for, for Halloween out at, at major the bull with his, his drum kit. And it's really impressive what he is, is able to do playing along with, you know, all, all the rock songs that people would know, but then also being able to do stuff like North CAC. Right. I know he's a big Jay gun fan. Um, and, and G Amazawa fan as well. Does he, is that something that he's looking to pursue is drumming or is that uh he's kind of at that phase where it's like oh i could do drumming i could do sports i could do he's like every kid he wants to do everything no i mean that that's been a constant um that's one thing that has been a constant since you know he has you know again since one like he's he's been into different things but that's something that he can go upstairs and and do on his own turn on the tv and you know put some music on and play to it so and as far as I mean, who knows? You know, kids can kids can get burnt out from something and, and never want to look at it again. Yeah. You know, so it's something we don't really put pressure on him for. It's something he likes to do, and you know, he, and he's welcome to do. It and hopefully, it, it turns into something for him. You know, um, I know one of the coolest things about being a parent is watching that transition. Not not just with drums, but just you know um life i mean you had you have this little sponge and they're they're watching everything you're doing and you present these things to them and um and to watch it turn into into something else where again he was just his arms were just flailing around at one point now he's you know making music he's being creative and watching him you know be creative is cool does he have an outlet for that stuff at school does there a school band or maybe he's starting his own band soon no, I mean, right now they, they do have music, but again, I think it's just, um, you know, a basic, you know, thing. And they had, um, I think they were going to have a talent show, but for the younger kids, I don't think we're involved in it, you know, which we were kind of disappointed about because we were like, yo, I mean, I think maybe they were just scared he was going to beat everybody <laughs> out. They didn't want to hurt the older kids' feelings. So, um, and, you know, him and I used to be in a band. Um, I think I got kicked out. Oh. You know, like, well, when he was younger, he thought that we were in a band. And then now, and, and I would play the guitar, but now that he's gotten better, like, I think he realized that I'm, I'm terrible. At, he left at, you behind. Yeah. And, you know, and my, my playing Iron Man, you know, it was him a couple times telling me I wasn't playing it right, where I was like, all right, well, this, this ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the gig is up. He knows I'm terrible. <laughs> Have to redo that contract. Right, right. But well, no. uh, I guess when he gets uh, off his world tours, maybe he'll inherit the family business. And, and I don't know. Look, I told him if it, he, well, he's he's been wanting to go on tour. Like he has actually mentioned that, and um, and I think Jay Gunn at one point mentioned, like, like maybe jokingly said something about, well, you know, maybe you can go on tour with me. And before then, he's been wanting to go on tour with somebody, and so. Since then, he's been like... He's locked in. Yeah, he's like... I, I told him, I just want to be a roadie. I want to go. That's it. So, I, I don't know. If he goes on the road, I don't think he's coming back to a food truck. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
we'll definitely have to have uh, have Devin on as well to tell his side of the story mm. and uh, see where his career is headed. Toriano, thanks for for being on the show. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, I look forward to seeing where uh, the food truck takes you guys and and what the next step is. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been another episode of the Buddy Ruski Show. Again, make sure uh, you check out our previous episodes with Nick Wallhauser and Mandy Paget uh, on the website at buddyruski.com. And check out the Patreon page as well, uh, patreon.com backslash buddyruski. You can see what other projects we're up to, what other podcasts we're experimenting with, some other creative endeavors as well. So make sure you check out the Patreon page. And we will see you guys again next week. Peace.